0: Okay, last time, who was here last time, remember the, this side of the room like gets A's, this side, the, okay. Um, so you have a handout. So last time, um, you recall in this class, those of you who've been in this class, um, that what we're talking about is this idea, uh, so the whole class is about Holy Spirit, how do we encounter Holy Spirit, how do we walk in this mysterious Holy Spirit? And so this class has been apparently going for years, and I sort of inherited some of it, um, it with Jen. By the way, Jen says hello. Um, we met with, with uh, Christ Prez this week about doing freedom prayer at Christ Prez. And so I, I boned up on my, um, on my Reform Cal- Tulip Doctrine, Five Points of Calvinism. And so they, they wanted to ask us questions about the book, the Freedom Tools book, and so they would ask a question. I would start to answer, and Jen would go, "Oh, I got it!" And then she would answer. And so it's like I realized she was raised Presbyterian, and I was making it up, you know. So it was it was great. And um, and at the end, the, the I mean, they had the Westminster guy, and they had all this and they said, "Man, we just love this." And Jen, we just love you hard. And, and Andy, and uh, you know, <laughs> thinking, okay, the sparkle queen has done her thing again. Um, so we're gonna teach freedom prayer to Christ pres. They're all in. They they wanna do it. So it's like, wow, is that crazy? They want a team. They said, This is we've been praying for this desperately. And I'm thinking, wow. So so we've been doing some of that stuff here, which is is in Romans eight it says, If by the spirit you put into death the deeds of the flesh you'll live. So how do we do that? We've been talking about that. So most so we're down to the last two weeks, and so most of the time. We have talked about how we, how we encounter Holy Spirit, how we understand, how do we in real time take things to God, how do we hear from God, um, how do we connect with God. Maybe, maybe we spent most of our life thinking it's pretty mysterious, he's loving, he's good, but pretty mysterious, uh, it would feel presumptuous to ask him a question and expect an answer. I don't know why you do that with all your parents and friends. But anyway, um, and so we've been working on helping us work through those things. Last week, um, it dawned on me that we never talked about where those strongholds come from in the first place. We never talked about the kind of the dark side, uh, the the influence of, we'll just use Satan, but what we mean is the dark world, whatever that means to you. And I, I don't mean to get into theology. I could but I don't want to, because, because we all have different ideas. But, but it's pretty clear in Scripture that we have a dark enemy who, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy from us. And, and it's also pretty clear, if you look at the top verse um, here in the handout, it says, Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're mighty through God for the destruction of strongholds. And a stronghold is a place in me that I don't fully control. It's a temper that gets out of hand. It's fears that dominate. There, there are things in me that they're not sanctified. They're not fully in my control. And that's called a stronghold. And we talked about last week how that gets built. It says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking one out of every 10,000 thoughts captive to the obedience to Christ. Yeah. Okay. So you're giggling, right? Because because the reality that's kind of how we are. But this says you're taking every thought captive to the obedience to Christ, and the first thought we normally have is, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so I buzz through this uh, in super fast Yankee on drugs. Speed last week to try to get through it because I thought it was my last week And then I was reminded by Jeannie that we had two more weeks. So everybody said said um, We need to slow down and go back through this again, especially the end and That's what we're going to do today. And if we need to do next week on that, we'll do that as well Um, and so I had my Bible last week and I can you let him in? let your father-in-law in? let your dad in? Sorry. Um, oh there he is. Um, so I had in my Bible and so so I have the same Bible that I got the day I was saved, okay? Uh, it it has been recovered a couple of times, not because I'm so diligent always in it. One, because it fell off the top of my car as I drove away and got hit by four or five other cars. And so I'm walking along the highway, picking up pages of my Bible in the ditch. Um, But but on the side of it, it says 112977, which is the day I first heard this teaching and it revolutionized my walk. It, it was like, finally, somebody's given me an M16 and ammunition, heck yeah. You know, that, that was kind of how I felt about it. And so so we're gonna talk uh, some more about this um, today. Yeah, and so if you look down in the second paragraph, the battleground is in the mind, and this is all downloadable. You got the link for, this was a 12-pager, I just gave the last couple pages. Um, and so it says, Uh, Satan has a strategy. We talk about his strategy is is to find the place in us that most represents the Lord. In Ephesians 4, it's called the metron, the measure of God that's been measured out in us. And that's what he's after. So your life is not wheel of misfortune. It's not random, but but actually he's after a certain thing in you. The place in you that is your greatest strength in the Lord, your gifting in the Lord. And it also says here that we're not unaware of his methodia, which is schemes, wiles, word noema. So he uses temptations and trials, and they're both designed to push us over the cliff. A a trial just kicks us over the cliff. A temptation lures us over the cliff if we can't be kicked as easily, but over the cliff is the goal. Um, We talked last time that, If Satan were to pop into your head or into your vision and say, I'm Satan, I'm here to kill, steal, and destroy, drag you over the cliff, and send you screaming to hell, we would run in terror. We would become the most fervent Christians you've ever heard of. And so he doesn't do that. So he uses disguise. It says he disguises himself as an angel of light. He says that his servants are disguised, that there are doctrines of demons, Doctrines, okay, doctrines. So he disguises his his deception as a spiritual doctrine. Sometimes um, deceiving spirits, and so there, there's all this. So you can read, you know, fifty places in the New Testament about that happening. Um, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't give the devil ground. What's it? You're right? Yeah, foothold. And the word is topas, topography. Don't give him topography. Don't give him some of your landscape of your soul is really what it's saying. So if you do let the sun go down on your anger every night after you were abused by an uncle, you've given ground. And so that's this stronghold right at the top that we're talking about. I've given ground. I've given, there's a place I don't fully control. Okay. And he uses the first person singular. So he doesn't say, I don't, he doesn't say you don't love your wife. He says, I don't love my wife. He doesn't say, um, you should have an affair with the woman at the office," he says. "I I need I, I need to just have a drink with her, right? And so and so it happens in this way where it sounds like us. It might be us. It sounds attractive. Um, if he can like inject a little bit of dopamine into the sentence, you know, in our brains when he does it, he will. And so there's that first person singular, and we give place. So so let's turn the corner now because. God has a strategy, and God has tactics to absolutely defeat what is going on every time and in our life, and it's his strategy for how we grow. Um, And the first part of the strategy, um, this sounds like big words, appropriate by faith your liberation from the power of sin. So what do I mean by that? So we're going to cover Romans in in, uh, 28 seconds. You ready? So Romans one says, the world's a mess. Romans two says, don't get cocky, so are you. Romans three says, God paid off all your past debt. It's it's paid off completely, you don't owe it anymore. That's like the super forgiveness that we remember when we forgive others. Romans four says, look, everything I'm gonna talk about from here on out, is done by faith. That's how Abraham lived. It's always been that way. So, so don't, don't think forward now on self-strength. It's going to be about faith. Romans 5 says, I paid off your monthly note. I pay your monthly note every month. In other words, when you sin, bring it to me. If I paid off all your past debt, you don't think I'm going to support you now? And so Romans 5 is much more, much more, much more. It says much more uh, seven times, like walking around, yeah, like walking around Jericho seven times and the wall falls. Romans five is you walk around the much more of God and the wall between you and God falls down. Okay, that's what it is. Um, there's a ama- may anyway. I won't go into that. So Romans six says, not only did I forgive your past debt and your current monthly note, I'm paying that as well. But um, the mafia was after you, and since I couldn't get rid of the mafia right now. I put you in witness protection program. So Romans 6 says, you have died, and you have been raised again. The first verse of Romans 6 says, should we sin that grace might increase? Your natural derivative thought from Romans 5 says, I can get away with murder. I mean, that would be the natural outcome of believing Romans 5 is, I can do anything. And so Paul says, yeah, but you're not going to because you are a new creation you died and you've been raised again so that's what romans 6 says i'm a new creation i, I still have the opportunity to act like a schlep but i no longer have to act like a schlep right i have the oppor- i no longer have the obligation i still have the opportunity but no longer the obligation a dog barks because he's a dog barking doesn't make him a dog we sin because we were sinners Sin didn't make us a sinner. We were already sinners. But Romans 6 says, now you're a saint. We have this thing inside of us that still wants to say, I'm a sinner. And God's like, have you read Romans? That's not your identity. That's not how I identify you. You can keep calling yourself that if you want to, but that's not who you are. You're now a saint who sometimes sins. Before you were a sinner who sometimes did good things. Sometimes the dog treat acts right, you know, but you can dress it up and sit it at the table and train it to use silverware, but it will always be a dog. But now we're not dogs. Now we're children of God, Holy Spirit inside of us. So then Romans 7 says, oh, the law was after you too, not just the mafia. So I hid you from the law. So Romans 7 says, the law wasn't going anywhere, just like sin wasn't going anywhere. So in your death, I freed you from the law. You are no longer under obligation to keep the law. Because you couldn't. It was a, it was a husband. was too perfect to live with right the husband who would clean up the dishes floss his teeth clean the kitchen and then wonder why you weren't out of bed and and it's like i can't live with this guy he's too perfect and so god said okay i'm not going to kill him but i'll kill you if you die you're free from your husband and so that's what Romans 7 is this crazy thing so the the end of Romans 7 is then this thing that says and this is Step one. Here's where we are right now. It says, the thing that I do, I don't want to do. I find myself doing the very thing that I hate. But if I do the thing, now check this out. If I do, you're going to have to read it for yourself. If I do the thing that I hate, then I'm not the one doing it. But sin that dwells in me does it. I find then this principle in me. The one who wishes to do good sins. Therefore, there is no condemnation. Because sin sins, but I don't sin. There, if Paul hadn't said it, I would have called it heresy. Because it's too good. God says, look, when you sin, there's a me and a not me inside of you. And not me wants to sin. And me wants to obey God. And when not me sin, um, can you? When not me sins, God says I don't condemn you because it's not you doing. It. There's this sin principle in you. It's like it's strapped to you. You've got this evil twin who does stuff. You know, whatever, however you want to call it. Um, and God says it's not you sinning. You are not a sinner, and you're free from sin. Okay, so then. So then Romans eight starts just like Romans six starts with, should we sin that grace may increase the logical deduction from Romans all the way up through Romans seven is there is therefore now no condemnation. Step one appropriate by faith, your liberation from the power of sin is this idea that I am a born again, new creation who doesn't have to sin. So I can come at temptation from the high ground of the victory of Christ. In the handout uh, that you can download, there's like 17 verses that all say, Satan has been defeated, he's been defeated, he's been crushed, he's been defeated, he's powerless, he's powerless, he's powerless. And so the idea is number one, I need to understand my identity. Because if I come at Satan like a mostly defeated failure sinner, Saved by grace, so poor and poorly shot, hoping to be washed up by some heavenly breeze on heaven's shore. You know, I mean, you know, all those songs. You just go, stop it, stop it. How how dare we treat the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ with such dismissiveness? How dare we treat the cross of Christ, where our our sins were nailed? How dare we say that wasn't true? You know, it's it's just like. God must be mad. You know, it's like, God, oh, why, do, why doesn't my church get this? And so for us, number one, whatever we need to do to lay hold of, to grab hold of the fact that I am not a sinner, I am a son who sometimes sins. And it's not me who does it. I'm a daughter who sometimes, but it's not me who does it. We, it just changes your whole outlook on stuff. I mean, you just go, heck yeah, you know. Why, why didn't somebody share this with me day one? It would have saved me a lot of stuff. Um, and so <clears throat> there is no condemnation. So therefore, when we enter this fight with Satan, we're not entering it just trying to fend him off. We're entering it by enforcing the finished work of Christ in our lives and in our circle of friends. We're coming at it from a place where I, I, I am not the defeated one here. I didn't lose the election. I won the election, and I have been appointed over part of the earth to take it back. That's my job. My part of the earth, my circle of friends, the ministry and gifting I've been given, I've been appointed to mop up, to take back, to enforce the victory of Christ in this world. And so that's that's who I am. Does that, does that kind of make sense in some ways? Okay. Um, so that's number one. Um, and so there's this whole thing about... Um, putting on the armor of God by which you can distinguish Ephesians 6 16 by which you can distinguish extinguish you can distinguish them but then extinguish them all the flaming darts of the evil one all so this thing of take one out of every 10,000 thoughts captive when when a flaming dart of a thought comes the helmet of my salvation which is Romans 5 6 7 and 8 just guards my heart and my mind. So it says, gird your minds for action. The verse is right in the middle there. Gird your minds for action. Having done everything to stand firm. Okay. So step one is appropriate by faith your liberation. That's step one. So um, we should take some time to meditate on that, to think about it, to read back through it again, and to just say, who am I? This is who I am. All of these things are mine. Who am I? This is who I am. Because it seems too good to be true. But Ephesians tells us nothing is too good to be. Nothing is too amazing in God to be true. Um, Any questions or thoughts about that first one? Any commentary? Yeah. So when a person is baptized, is it from that point on not them, or it's not them, it's the other them that's sinning? Or is it something where I don't know how to ask it. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, like, do I have some culpability, some responsibility for my behavior? Yes. But, I, but the responsibility I have is not as a sinner. The responsibility I have is in Romans 8 that says, if by the Spirit you're putting to death what this guy's doing, you'll live. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Our responsibility is to set our mind on the spirit and walk into life and peace even when we fail. And there's this big knucklehead factor in our life. I mean, it's immense. I've never come to the end of mine, okay? Um, If he tells us to forgive seven times 70 every day, do you think he can't outdo that? So he can. And so um, <clears throat> and so. then the, the point of it is, is there's a me and a not me, and, and Romans 7 leaves us right there. Romans 8 says, now that you get this, here is how you walk it out. And so Romans 8 says, there, there's this flesh that wants to talk to us, and we can set our minds here, and we can go there all day long, and, and we can look like we we're a totally ungodly sinner because we're indulging the demands of the flesh. Or we could say, no. And we can step over here into the Spirit. Okay, And that's, that's where we are in Romans 8. So this morning is about Romans 8. And, the, and as a baptized Christian, we have to make that choice to, right. to turn towards the Spirit. We yes. Be and turn towards the flesh, and it's just like we were never baptized. Yeah, except your conscience bothers you more. but but yeah uh yeah i I wouldn't say it's just like because i am a new creation um you know it's kind of like i'm not blind to it anymore so when i act that way i i really do i really go oh man you know there is the there is the longing of the holy spirit inside of me now there there is just this just this loving god who says oh turn Right, oh turn but now the voice is an outsider with the preacher now the voice is right here okay it's so it's yeah but great question because you know this whole thing is about this this last week this week and maybe next week is is we do fail but how do we set ourselves up for success okay that that's that's the point so yeah this, I think one of the things that's helpful for me is that we forget is that our body and our soul which is different from our spirit and the holy spirit fight us constantly it's not that they just can't do what god wants done that's why our spirit has to that's why we have to have to focus what you're talking yeah. about and and sometimes we think we can bring our body under control we can through the spirit but it's always fighting us it's like a rebellious child right it's a it's a slave so paul says i buffet my body and make it my slave ellen Somebody oh, I read. I guess bring out that concept. We're supposed to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, but the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps one to call yeah, off. That's the right. Other. Yeah. And uh, you know, we, we experience that all the time in our life There's a there's a difference between the body and the spirit, and the, the body is a tough one to deal with. Yes, yes. Um, before we were saved, um, our soul was fairly darkened and cut. I don't want to go into this. Um, sometime maybe next fall we'll talk about it but yeah so so now the mind has the freedom to look at the body the soul mind will and emotions have the freedom to look at the body and follow the body or to look at the spirit and follow the spirit the spirit is the child king within us the soul is the steward and the body is the slave within us And when we see it that way, then the mind is the steward who carries out the desires of the spirit within us and puts feet to them, puts steps to them, figures out how to carry it out. We're 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 talking to souls now when we talk about these steps. Soul, these are the steps that you need to put into place. But please be led by the spirit when you do this. Right. Please be led. Jim. So so the soul is is like the steward who doesn't have very many original ideas but is really, really good when under the guidance of the Spirit and carrying out the will of God in practical ways out into the world. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And what God desires is for the Spirit inside of us who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and unless you become like a child, well, he's not talking about becoming immature, he's talking about becoming where you will believe God every time he speaks to you on the inside. Our spirit, in a sense, is like a child. It's like if you read about who is the child king who brought Israel back, the only way he could do it was he had a steward who made stuff happen, but he knew the right thing to do, he just didn't know how to carry it out. And that is how our soul is. Our spirit is intuition um, communion and revelation uh, intuition, conscience, conscience, intuition and communion. conscience, intuition and communion are the are the faculties of our spirit just like our soul is mind, will and emotions and our body is bones, flesh, muscle and brain, not mind but brain okay that we, we would Chase that for hours and hours. So I don't want to chase that for hours and hours. But what I do want to say then is is in Romans 8, and you started this. That was a great question. But in Romans 8, Paul says, look, now you have a choice and you never had a choice. The mindset on the flesh, on that part of Romans 7 that, that wants to do bad stuff and just can't wait to turn on the pornography, the mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Now I have a choice, but I'm not used to setting my mind on the spirit. I'm used to setting my mind on the flesh. So how do I, how do I take my soul, my mind, will, and my emotions, and program it to react against trials and temptations and in line with the spirit? That's what we're talking about today. Okay? that's So... So, yes? I think um, for me what really switched the, the flip, uh, flip the switch was in the book when you talk about how God created us for a purpose. Yes. And as new creations, he inspires us to be who we were created to be. And he says, let's go. Yeah. So it's not a marking of the box, like I'm going to do this because I'm going to be an obedient daughter. It's because I'm so excited. To yeah. Who I'm really to be. Yeah, so I've got, got better is, things to do, right? Yeah, that's really good. That that is really good. Uh, every so, I have certain areas in my life that I just, you know, I, I showed you last week that, and I can see we're going to have to because we only got eight minutes left. So we're gonna we're gonna come at this again next week. But, but for me, saying I don't have time for that. I've got better things to do. Is like the clincher. I mean, that's like, I mean, what can Satan say? No, you don't. <laughs> it's like. I have better things to do. Shut up. Lord, where, what are we going to do today? What's the adventure today? What works do you have laid up for me before the foundation of the world that I should walk in today? Where are the Easter eggs hidden today? I mean, it's just crazy. We met with Christ Prez last week about uh, doing freedom prayer at Christ Prez. And it was just, Jen, as you can imagine, was amazing. Um, and they're all in. They're like, we're going to do it. We're gonna, that stuff you're teaching in your class at Otter Creek, we're going to do that here. So Thursday, we're taking all day with their senior staff and walking them through it. And it's just like, who would have thought? I mean, who would have thought? We have better things to do. And so, um, yeah, yeah, Erin. Um, I just read this thing earlier this week, and I don't know how to process it, but I know I have an ego problem. Yeah. Paul uses the word flesh, just replace it with the word ego, with the word ego, mm-hmm. and you will be much closer to this point. So I'm not sure how the part and whole thing, but I know I have it. an ego problem. An ego problem. And when you say ego, is that there is that a self-image problem, or is that my ego wants to dominate everything I do? Maybe both. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's something to deal with, you know, together, alone, kind of a thing. Okay, but that's thank you. You and Jen just become best friends, because <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, so back to step one. Step one is is to is to get this place where God has positioned me. I'm positioned in a victory stance with a new identity and complete weaponry and armor to succeed. He has set me up for success, not for failure. He has set me up for taking back places of darkness that when I encounter them and I get this sense, oh, this is one of mine. This is, it's like when they took the promised land and Caleb goes, I want that mountain, right? He says that's mine, and he says, "Anybody who wants to come, come." I'm an 80-year-old man, and I'm about to kick butt because I want that mountain where the grapes of Eshkol grow. And he took it, right? There are places in our life. Oh, okay, yeah, stop. There are places in our life where you just go, "That's mine," and I'm taking it back. My family is mine. I'm taking it back. The, you know, this is mine, and I'm taking it back. This thing in me that that was put there. Um, in my growing up years, that is going. It's going, going, gone, and I'm taking back my life. Okay, I mean that's you know there's this fierceness about about the battle, about taking every thought captive, about girding our minds for action, about putting on the armor of God. There's a fierceness about it, because we see in our own lives and in the lives of others around us. The desperate loss that takes place when we as Christians are passive and think that we're sinners and are ill equipped to fight the battle of temptation, test and trial, not just in ourselves, but in organizations, in churches, at a university, in policymaking. This is this isn't just a personal battle, it can be a corporate battle. What do you mean, um, yeah, on the corporate level. Well, um, so, uh, so I'm up in Cleveland, Ohio, meeting with, um, yeah, that'll be a good story. So I'm meeting with the director of water and sewer for 61 cities and 10 counties, trying to clean up, uh, and, and they're trying to decide what to do because they had a river catch on fire. You know, it's like, what do you put a river out with? Water, you know, and so I'm sitting there, and and I'm asking them questions, and I have like my best suit on, kind of a thing, and I'm asking them questions, but I'm all I, I'm I always listen, and so God says to me, and I know that sometimes you go wait, he just said God says, so I let me express it the way I always feel it is, I felt like God might be saying that the director of water and sewer, Irwin, who'd been there 35 years. I suddenly knew his childhood. Okay, we gotta agree that I don't cry. Uh, so I knew his childhood, and I knew he swam in Lake Erie, and I knew he was desperate that his grandkids could swim in Lake Erie. Okay, I just I just suddenly knew that. Okay, and so right when I knew that, he goes, "Reese, you've been sitting here for, you know." Three hours asking us staff questions. You haven't said anything worth paying you for. I mean, he's a crotchy old coot and uh, But a great guy and he said what do you think and I said Erwin? I think I just got one job and you could just everybody set their pens down and lean forward I mean the, it was you know finance director and director is and I said as a as a kid you swim in Lake Erie And you're afraid the future generations won't be able to swim in Lake Erie I said my job is to figure out how that doesn't happen and he he says meeting adjourned he says do you want to go to lunch I said yeah so we go to lunch and we're sitting there and he goes how did you know that and uh, you know Holy Spirit doesn't need credit if it's weird to give him credit Uh, and I said well it just you know it just seemed you know it just it's just like it just seemed like the right thing to say you know and he goes that's exactly the truth. He goes, that's the heart. I mean, you got past all the BS and got to the heart of my issue, which is how are we going to do this? And I said, I think I know how. I think I can help you. He goes, give me a proposal tomorrow. So we go home. I go home. I write a proposal for, I don't know, $250,000, which was 100000 more than I thought I would need to help him. But I heard he was hard to work with and a lot of demands. I go back, I give it to him, we meet for 15 minutes, he looks at it, he crosses off 250000 and writes 400000 we want you around. And hands it to his secretary and said get him a contract. Okay, fast forward to today and one of my best friends is now the director, she and I are, are totally close and they are literally turning that whole six county area around. It, there's radical change going on. And, and they're using it to create green jobs, sustainable design, bring Cleveland back. All these good things are happening, okay? And it happened because Holy Spirit said one thing. Okay, and you go, okay, does that Yaws ha- You always tell your best stories, okay? There's other stories where I say something, they go, shut up. Okay, so, so but you tell your best because... We're called not just to change our lives, but to change institutions, to change family lines, to to change the heritage of our family line. We're the ones who are called to do that. And And we can do that. We're supposed to do that. And so... The, the thing, uh, th- so let me just say one more sentence. So the thing that I'm I'm sharing is how I got started in 77 going, I'm going to start with my life. How do I do this in my life and tear down strongholds? And then Holy Spirit, if by the Spirit we're putting death the deeds of corporate flesh, the corporation will live. Right? Okay, Kerry? Uh, starting back in 77, you were in uh, Yeah, And now, 40 years later, you've had lots of experience. Uh, And so, you're a more able warrior than Satan than you were then. Is he up the attack? Is is the attack more concentrated with him now because he can take you down? When you look at the lives of fairly great men, not putting myself in that category, the thing that wipes him out is our always sex with the secretary, with the church secretary. Mm-hmm. Stealing money from... It's always one of the seven deadly sins. It's never this huge, convoluted... It's, it, he, he always appeals to the, the flesh and to pride. It never gets more complicated than, than a basic attack on, on the, the basic foundations of my flesh. Of right, yeah. I mean, how how do you get a a pastor of a well-known church here in town with multiple locations to go do something stupid? You slowly weave a false reality by which the person feels that they can do something that if someone confronted them in the light, they would go, what was I thinking? You know, you wake up the next day and you go, I am such an idiot. How could I have believed this? And Satan's like, my job's done here idea It is. It's a. All of us believe it, uh, some things that are false. Every one of us, when we stand before God, He's going to say, "Okay, that thing, it actually doesn't work that way." Well, th- and we're we're going to go, oh, and He's going, "Okay, get another chance. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. I have another assignment for you, and you're going to know more this next assignment, right?" I mean, they, you know, we're gonna live forever and it's not just to be sitting around. So we're gonna have amazing things to do with this new universe. I think I'm getting a whole galaxy, I just, I'm just thinking, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna share that in the ReCounters Weekend. Okay, so next week, uh, so we got to point one, <laughs> but it was an important point. So next week, um, try to remember to bring this handout back again. And we're going to do points two and three, and we're going to practice. We're going to maybe try to so so come with with a nettlesome sin that you know somebody else has, <laughs> and and come with some scripture. Otherwise, we'll just form scripture together, and we'll just kind of talk through how we might do it. If it was hard, we couldn't do it. So it it may be emotionally hard, but it is not. It, it is not. To, it's not like you need a really high IQ to do this. In fact, that normally gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Jim, yeah. <laughs> yeah <whew. coughs> okay, bless you guys.